This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, this is Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chui Lin. Tonight, what role should schools play in instilling the right values in Malaysians? So this comes from the Deputy Education Minister speaking about school programs for moral development. First, we're going to talk about whether school is the best place for this. And then we look at what an effective civics education should look like. Tell us, what was your experience learning moral and civics in school? And what would you like to see done instead? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp our U mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So on Monday, there was a discussion in Parliament about self-identity and moral development moral development modules uh, that the Education Ministry is currently using in schools. So the question came from Rantau Panjang MP, Datuk Siti Zaila Mohamad Yusuf, who said that the attitude of some of the current national leaders doesn't line up with what's being taught in schools. But this essentially was a starting point to talk about what these programs are actually doing within our school system. Yeah, because the Deputy Minister of Education, Lim Hui Ying, who has had quite a busy week in Parliament mm. actually, said that the Ministry of course takes the development of manners, morals and integrity seriously and in that spirit had conducted several programs that aim to encourage moral development like civic awareness, teaching values like respect and tolerance to foster good behaviour. Now before we look at what moral studies and civic studies actually look like in our schools, uh, the last time we talked about this nobody had fond memories, so I'm excited to see what new nightmares mm. will be thrown up today. But I, I'd like to go back actually to the question from Siti Zaila about how the attitude of some of our current political leaders is contradictory to what's taught in schools. Not necessarily to comment on or to make a political comment, that kind of was, but to use that as a jumping off point to talk about one of the central problems, I think, with our moral and civic studies, which is that you cannot, on the one hand, lecture students for hours a week about, um, you know, being polite, being tolerant, doing all these things, and then send them out into a world in which none of that is reflected back, or send them out into a world in which it is not very clear how these values that they're drilling in and writing essays about are then actually going to play out in the real world. And this is not just political leaders. This is in general. If the syllabus is outdated, if it is un unchallenging, if it doesn't present uh, situations that match up to what people actually encounter in real life, then what good is it? I mean, I... Honestly, we've this conversation about what moral studies, quote unquote, is meant to do, um, has circled these points, and and people have been bringing up these gaps for so long, right? Um, so I'm, I think we're past the point where we need 
perhaps more specific and solid changes. Uh, to be fair, what the Deputy uh, Minister of Education is talking about is not just our moral study syllabus, but also programs that um, you know the government is conducting in schools to encourage moral development, things like civic awareness, teaching them uh, respect, uh, tolerance to foster good behaviour. Uh, so it's not just about classes, but also programs that are being implemented as a whole. But I think it comes back to this idea of what are we teaching in schools to begin with? Because if we look at the moral studies component, which is, of course, a core subject in SPM examinations, a major sore point for many people, mm. um, it is a requirement for non-Muslim students to take them in our government schools, while Muslim students take uh, Islamic studies. And the core of the syllabus basically is 36 moral values. 36 moral values that you have to memorize mm. and regurgitate word for word. It's not necessarily that the moral values exist or even that we are contesting what the values are. I think the, the thing that has been a real sore point is how people are, are graded to have understood these values. Because if you are only perceived to have understood something, when you can write its perfect definition in an example in a text uh, without necessarily having internalised that or acted on it or seen how it would work, then I, I, this seems to be my rallying cry today. What is the point? Um, so the 36 values are divided into seven major fields of study. And this actually looks like it's been updated from when I was in school. So it's um, self-development, kekeluargaan, uh, which I assume means you family, know, family values, alam skita um, or nature, patriotism or well, that, that's self-explanatory. Hak asasi manusia, human rights, basic human rights, democracy and peace and harmony. On paper, actually, great things to learn about, right? Um, but how it's being how it's being imparted is where the I think the contention is. Well, or how we even define those things? Yes. Because I will just say that if you look at that, kekeluargaan and the way that is defined um, could vary depending on which decade you were born and what you were born into and, um, you know, kind of the values you grew up with. Hak asasi manusia, basic human rights, you would think, again, is something that we can universally agree on. But even in Malaysia, we don't always agree with what the definition of human rights or universal human rights, yes. you know, how that's defined. So... It's not as straightforward as it would at first appear. No, and very few of these, if any, are easily memorizable in a definition that you can then put out into an exam paper. So we're basically talking about what this idea of moral development uh, could look like in our schools. Um, and after this, we will be speaking with Loken Ming, Director of Community Mobilization for Teach for Malaysia. But we'd like to hear from you. What was your experience learning moral and civics in school? What would you like to see instead? Call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Big Friendly Macha, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 6.14. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. Uh, we're asking you, what was your experience learning moral and civics in school? What would you like to see instead? Call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now to talk about whether school is the place to be learning about morality, moral development in the first place, we have joining us on the line Lo Ken Ming, Director of Community Mobilisation for Teach for Malaysia. Ken Ming, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. 
Hi, good evening. Thanks for having me. So how have the moral and civic studies subjects done in terms of helping our students develop a proper moral compass? I, I think there are maybe two different parts to it. There's the kind of theoretical knowledge part to it. So I think what we all know in, in moral and civic education, uh, there is a lot of uh, you know moral values that are are done. And I think it's come a long way from when I was in school. So I remember like there's a lot of nilai nilai muni that we have to write. And uh, I think recently they do spend a lot of time thinking about critical application, um, but it's still, uh, moral is still a core subject, right? So it's tested at, um, at the SPM level. Uh, and, and for civic education, I think it's, uh, so the difference in moral and civic, I think civics kind of uh, focuses a lot more on our kind of national um, kind of identity and also us as a citizen, whereas moral is a lot more on our human values. And so uh, civic education uh, is kind of in a, in a few different ways. Many years ago, they had a subject on, on civic education, which I taught when I was in school. Uh, but currently, I think it's incorporated into various other subjects um, where you know teachers can find applications of how they can incorporate um, you know, civic education into, you know, math, science, English and, and Bahasa. And what about outside the confines of the classroom? Do you see effective programs being implemented uh, when it comes to moral and civic studies? So I, I think a couple of uh, things to think about is that moral and civic education is, is not a kind of one uh, a standalone, right? You can't just teach it in the classroom. And I think there's a couple of things that, that surround it. So not only the theory aspect to what we learn in the classroom, but I think there's a lot of extracurricular activities that help um, provide a platform for applications. So whether it's, um, you know, students working in groups or people doing community initiatives. Uh, so I think there is that, but it's not very, um, not very structured in a way. And I think what we want is to provide students the opportunity to uh, be making decisions, to be put in difficult situations where they can apply some of the knowledge in the classroom. Um, in terms of specific programs on, on moral development or civic education, I don't think there are a lot out there, but uh, I think there are there is a lot of uh, it being incorporated into extracurricular activities, I guess. Now, some might argue that school is the place to acquire, quote unquote, hard knowledge, science, math, so on, right? And not necessarily morals or civics. Do you think our school system should play a role in moral development to begin with? Uh, I think absolutely. Um, because I think if we think purely on just learning um, and as, as long as we've been, you know, learning all the way back from when schools first started, if it's just purely about knowledge without the ethical application of how to use that knowledge, I think that would be uh, quite lost, right? So you can learn about how to be a good person or what it takes to be a good person, but translating that into, you know, what it looks like on a daily basis, um, I think is, is something that, you know, teachers play a huge role um, in it. And I think one aspect to think about is that, you know, what we want to see more in schools is really the um, the dialogue and, and helping students you know, make decisions. Because I think we are in a very, um, I guess, textbook type um, syllabus where there's a lot of knowledge that we our teachers are downloading to, to students, right? But I think in terms of prep preparing students for uh, the current world or even an ever-changing kind of pace of world, we need to really be teaching students how to think critically and how to evaluate and see the nuances, you know, between different sides of, of you know, arguments where we think about like moral issues and, and so forth. So even among students who take Islamic mm. studies, do you think there is a place mm. in their syllabus for moral development? 
Uh, I think there already would be, uh, all all religions would have uh, that sort of um, development within it. I do feel we do need to kind of separate that to make sure it doesn't, um, you know, because we're not trying to uh, convert or over-religiousize, um, you know, moral education. I think there are base morals that, you know, regardless of religion, uh, people can agree on. But I do feel there's a lot of value, right, whether in Islamic studies or whether in um, you know, some churches outside of the classroom or even in Buddhist communities where they teach uh, moral values. Now, the word morals or morality, they're both quite loaded. Do you think moral development um, is important in our students? Um, absolutely. I think as we, I guess as we develop as a community, um, what we're seeing more is, you know, capability, people going into a lot of spaces where um, moral decisions are necessary, right? And uh, I think just as an example, I, I don't know, for, for AI coming into play, right, uh, recently, how do students make decisions and, and think around um, the ethical kind of boundaries, right? And we have a lot of discussions at you know, corporate levels or even in research spaces about ethics. And I think developing, uh, you know, a guideline of morals and morality, uh, even from young, is, is absolutely crucial because it's it's not so much what we know, but how we apply what we know and how that impacts others as well. So the thing is, whether we like it or not, um, we're in the age of online influences and we see that making its way into ideas around ethics, morals, personal philosophies. How should that be taken into account when we talk about teaching morality to students in schools, especially in regard to how they'll navigate adulthood? Yeah, this is a really uh, difficult question um, for me because I I think differentiating between, um, you know, the kind of... uh, modernization or uh, whether you're a bit more conservative, traditional or kind of open-minded, I think there are a lot of um, you know different sides of the argument. I think there is a space that we need to teach students how to think and evaluate. Uh, I think what we want to stay away from is kind of saying like this is the only answer, this is the right and wrong to things. Um, and needing, I think especially in this generation, we need to kind of teach students how to really make those decisions as we think about, I don't know, trends on TikTok or even um, the issues of uh, global issues that that different countries are facing. Um, How are we assessing both sides to the argument and uh, and what what is our standing based on on, on that, right? Teachers kind of need to guide students on how to think in that way. Um, I do feel it's helpful to be training at a young age and for students to be able to explore and make mistakes because um, if from a very young age you already say, oh no, that's wrong, and this is the right answer, then students are going to kind of develop a very black and white uh, thinking around these areas now. As it stands then, how practicable are our moral lessons? I think there it really depends on the teacher. Uh, I think teachers can play a huge role. They're really, really important. There are some teachers that can do it really, really well in terms of relating um, what you're learning in moral you know, or, or civic education into real-life issues that students face on a day-to-day. Um, I think if we think about it from a purely like how do we score better, then we lose the essence of what we're trying to um, to inculcate. So what we want is to really spur discussions in the classroom. Uh, I think how practical it is, is, is really up to the teacher to create that space for discussion um, in our classrooms now. And 
What advantage really does our school system specifically have in developing moral values over other support systems that are important, like family, like friends? I, on, on this aspect, I do feel it's a community effort. So like every everyone plays the role in the development of a child. And as we think about a student developing their confidence and also a moral compass, uh, there are many different parts. And I think for a school specifically, where students spend a large majority of the day, uh, where they mingle with their peers, uh, I think there is a lot of guidance that's needed. And I think schools uh, play a role to create you know, the right platforms that, you know, all students can access because not all students have um, you know, supportive families or even families that have the time to go into some of these issues, right, and things. And so um, as a kind of threshold, we do need that space in, in schools, uh, both the theoretical part of learning the different values and, and, and discussions, but also practically, like, how does that look like in, in the classroom in our interactions as we do extracurricular activities and so forth. Now, on the one hand, we're talking about moral development. On the other hand, our current moral education can feel a little bit dated. And if we look mm -hmm. at how to update that conversation, for instance, for some people, human rights is a good thing to have. For others, it's viewed as a Western value. Um, is there a concern that talking to students about certain moral values could go against the beliefs of um, other people in their lives, you know, families, other teachers, other students? Hmm. Um, I think there is always that risk um, and, and always the risk of different perspectives that you know, different families would have. But I think if we come back to the type of students that we're trying to develop, right? I think you know, in, in line with the national education philosophy, we want to um, develop critical thinkers, we want to develop students with like ethics. Um, I think it is quite important to be talking about these real world issues whether or not we have the right answer. And I think the, the challenge sometimes is that we, we want to close the topic with this is the answer for human rights, right? But what we need to do is um, allow students to explore um, research on their own, but also be guided in a way of, you know, how are they thinking um, around some of these issues and how does that relate to their personal beliefs and the beliefs of their family? So I think that dialogue is, is quite important to have and that's what will help develop critical thinking. You've been pretty consistent on that point, right? That mm -hmm. it's about creating conversation, creating critical conversation and holding space for that. Um, but mm -hmm. the thing is, students can, of course, be stubborn or apathetic, especially when it comes to moral class because of, uh, you know, the the fact that they get tested on it, all these different things that we've already discussed. So to sum up in your experience, what is the most effective way of developing kind of uh, a morality and a set of ethics that will then be practiced in the real world by the student? Um, I think the reason why students are quite stubborn and apathetic is because they sometimes we, we view it as just like a subject, right, or a topic that we have to memorize or really think about how do we score an A, right? Um, so scoring an A in moral doesn't mean you are a strong moral person. And I think that's the, the biggest disconnect that sometimes students may feel. Um, and so I am just thinking, I don't have a, a very clear answer to this, but I'm just thinking whether there are multiple ways um, of a, uh, that we should be evaluating and there's a knowledge aspect to it. Um, there is, uh, I think, some schools where, you know, you have uh, certain awards for students with certain kind of exhibiting certain values. Um, I think there are ways to incentivize and then give an, a clear idea of, 
of what strong you know, moral development looks like. Uh, and I think we can incentivize that in more than one way. It's not just marks and A's, right? But it's also, um, you know, when a student helps out a friend or when a student cares for an, a, a needy person in their community or when the student kind of brings their uh, family into the conversation and cares in certain ways, then you know, we should be recognizing um, that. It could be in an informal way. And I think those are our other aspects to it. Um, yeah. Ken Ming, we have a couple of minutes left. Um, as yeah. an educator yourself, what mm -hmm. do you feel teachers and schools need to be equipped with in order to help students develop uh, this good moral compass? Hmm. I think, uh, so maybe two kind of main aspects. Uh, sometimes students look to the teachers themselves as, as role models. Um, so teachers knowing that, you know, you play a really, really important role um, in, in terms of role modeling, you know, a strong moral compass and, and values. And I think teachers who are very influential in the lives of students. Um, but I think coming back to, to the point again, um, being equipped sorry, being equipped to be able to facilitate um, very nuanced discussions um, to really not lead students to specific answers, but allow students to explore. I think that's what um, we, we need more, right? We need, we need teachers that can facilitate the thinking um, and not try and shortcut to the right answer very, very quickly. Um, because some of you know, more moral, a moral compass is something that takes a long time to develop, right? It's not really you do a session or you do a online MBA and you get a moral compass. So you need to develop that consistently over a period of time. Ken Ming, thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. That was Lo Ken Ming, Director of Community Mobilization for Teach for Malaysia, uh, weighing in on um, this question of moral moral development, morality, um, and what place uh, it can have within the school system. We'd like to hear from you as well. What was your experience learning moral and civics in school? Uh, and what would you like to see done instead? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll get to your thoughts and messages after this. So keep it here on Inside Story, BFM eighty nine point nine. Breakfast for Masters. BFM 89.9. It is 6.37. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about moral development and how that's um, inculcated in schools. So we've been asking you, what was your experience learning moral and civics in school? And what would you have liked to see done instead? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. In fact, you know, I would add on. So we're already getting messages about uh, about taking moral in school. But maybe if I may, if I may, uh, I'd like to ask a slightly different question, which is, what has shaped your morality? Ooh. Like, like what has gone into who you are as a person? How much of it is your family? How much of it might be religion? How much of it might be, uh, might be school, might be friends? Because uh, the thing is about pendidikan moral and moral values is that, and this is something that our first guest mentioned quite a bit, right? It's a complex interplay. There are a lot of things mm. that go into the the cake recipe that bakes out an ethical person. Like it's not so straightforward as I have swallowed a textbook and now I'm moral. Um, or for that matter, that I, I come from a strict family, therefore I am moral. It's not that simple, right? So um, 
I, I'm just curious, what has made you a moral person, you know, what's gone into shaping that? I think also a lot of that comes from, um, so really then first you come with a certain amount of uh, inculcation from your family, your social circle and so on. So once you come to school, that becomes such a large part of what you do, right? Mm. Um, so it is interesting because if school is not giving that to you in a way that you find interesting or relatable, uh, then you're going to glom on to the other things that are the biggest influences in your life. So earlier we also spoke about, um, for instance, the online space and how so many young people now turn to um, influencers or online personalities for this idea of, um, you know, uh, what their values are. And I think that's actually a really interesting question. What ends up shaping your view of morality? Because for me, I think it's mostly family. And that's because I didn't come uh, from a school that had a really strong or interesting or robust moral education. I can't necessarily remember my friends inculcating any of this. I, I don't think we sat around having the kind of conversations you read about in Pandidika moral textbooks. Where it's you like, mean you all didn't debate about Hema Tinggi and, and Ketelusan? I have never in my life used <laughs> Hema Tinggi outside of the moral classroom. We did, classroom. except it was a friend named Hema who was tall. Ah, we loved it. Hema, oh, wonderful, yeah. mm -hmm. wonderful. She might not have loved it nope. so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, let us know um, what has shaped your understanding of morality. Uh, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at PFM Radio. We already have messages coming in of people sharing their experiences. None of it good save for one. Um, so Chris says, I remember my moral studies in school is all about how to pass the exam, memorizing all the definitions word by word. It's a test of memory. That is all. So that's sad, right? Because um, uh, as our guest earlier said, actually, there's so much opportunity here for discussion, for debate, for even disagreement. Um, but for most of us, it does become a test of memory. And that is all. Um, actually, Azimi um, brings up how... Okay, so Azimi says, I had experience teaching moral education to Form 4 students about a decade ago. Back then, I didn't refer to the textbook so often because I know my students were more hands-on and they were visual learners. Thus, I used a lot of videos in the uh, lessons that showcase situations that surround the themes in the syllabus. The kids enjoyed the lesson. They felt more engaged. In addition, I've heard from my colleagues at school and other schools how they are more hesitant to teach moral education, especially those whose teaching options are not inclusive of moral education. So in a way, we do need our educators to be more sympathetic to teaching the subject rather than seeing them as manpower to fill in the subject teach uh, fill in the subject uh, when it's taught to our kids and this is such an important point because even back when I was in school moral is often viewed as the subject that um, a teacher is just asked to fill in for most of the time rather than someone who actually wants to be there teaching that lesson that is very true. Um, and I think that the use of different forms like videos or what have you is excellent. The problem then becomes the fact that at the end of it all, you need to be you need to be able to pass an exam because if not, you're not going to be able to move on from school because it's a core subject. And maybe and I'm assuming, Azimi, that through the engagement, they were then able to remember and, and do all these different things and hopefully get a richer experience. But of course, the worry is that if, if it's uh, all project 
and no memorization, no rote memorization, which would be lovely. Uh, you run the risk of people not doing that well when it comes time to sit for the exam. And that point is coming through in messages too. Uh, for example, Angry Auntie on Twitter said, I refuse to revise for moral on principle because it was just a memory test that is not a reflection of a person's values. Parents should be allowed to pick moral studies, ICT or an extra foreign language class, which would actually help people get a job in the future. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if there were many of my friends um, who basically just looked at moral as a, well, if I don't if I don't get good marks in it, it's fine. It doesn't mean anything. But the the sad part and the unfair part is that, of course, not everybody can make that decision, right? Because if you are aiming for a scholarship, if you are aiming to get into a course of your um, a course of your ambitions, it can be quite tough if your if your grades are dropped because of the moral studies. Um, now, to your point, Lynn, about what shapes people's morals, a number of interesting thoughts coming through. Um, so, firstly, life says. I must say that my friends have had the most influence. They've always been there to provide immoral support, especially when I'm in two minds about doing something stupid. Life, what are friends for? <laughs> <laughs> what are friends for? Uh, so this is why earlier when I was talking about what had shaped me, I did not say my friends. <laughs> it's partly for this reason. They're there for emotional support. They're there for social support. I don't know if they necessarily shored me up and kept me in line and, you know, kept me on the straight and narrow. I think friends especially people who are the same age or in the same peer group as you, you muddle through together. You don't necessarily arrive at the right decision together. Uh, Tahir says, um, Tahir says, morality for me is religion, comic books, uh, American comic books, parents. Mm. You know what? I teach ethics, Kantianism and all that at uni. I'm not sure of the effects it has on the students though. Tahe, um, before we talk about uh, the building blocks of your morality, I would love to know if you're still listening and want to get back in touch. Um, how do you teach it? Um, how much discussion is there? Because in theory, if you are discussing it a fair amount, you might be able to get a better understanding, right, of the effects that it has. But to go back to... Religion, American comic books and parents. What a great trifecta. Keep those thoughts coming. Um, we are asking you, well, it's a two-part question. What was your experience learning moral and civics in schools? But in a larger sense, what shaped your idea of morality? Call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bias Free Media. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is just coming up to 6.47. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about moral development and asking you, what was your experience learning moral and civics in school? And what shaped your sense of morality? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. tweet us at BFM Radio. We have plenty of thoughts still. Um, Anil, uh, talking about taking moral, said, I nearly flunked my SPM because of moral. The horror all started in 1995 during my PMR. Gosh, <laughs> the teacher didn't know what she was teaching and we didn't understand what we were learning. And this matches up with what Azimi said earlier, right? That we need to empower educators and that, emp and that educators need to have maybe a little bit more empathy and openness to teaching moral. And it shouldn't just be a, a substitute teacher mentality. It is tough, right, when I think even the teachers themselves perhaps often 
don't really buy into the subject that they're teaching. Why would they? It, yeah. it is, it's a long list and litany of slightly overlapping phrases that, and slightly overlapping definitions. It's... Um, it really is the the Akbarian. It's a trap, you know. That there's no there's no other way to approach this exam. Waikwan says, "I went to a secondary school that taught values through action. Our duty roster included sweeping floors, cleaning tables, doing floral arrangements, washing the toilet. Everyone did it, and picking up litter around the school. This inculcated communal values in all of us through actions and interactions with our class or schoolmates. We learned integrity, working together in groups, even being competitive as all classes competed with one another." to be top class. Waikwan, that sounds lovely. I also wanted to say that sounds a lot more like my experiences um, being a part of, say, the Interact Club or the Prefectorial Board than it does learning moral in school. So I, I come back to this is obviously a better way to learn. These, and not just learn, um, but this is practicable in the adult world. You need to learn how to work with others. Um, you need to know how to clean stuff. You need to know how to work on a roster even when you don't want to. All of these things are just simple, this will make you a better person to be around in the future stuff. Where it gets into uh, trouble is, what values would you assign these? Right? If you were writing a yes. karangan. Define what you just did by arranging flowers. Yes. Um, and, and use the exact correct words and exact correct definitions or you're not going to pass your paper. So again, that that really is where the essential problem is. Well, uh, that's exactly what Alfred is saying. Um, Alfred says, I tried writing the definitions in one of my Panditikan moral exams using my own words in Form 4. I failed that paper. I didn't know then that we were supposed to write the exact kata kunci in the list of words that we got. Yeah, Kata Kunchi just brought back a lot yeah, of... I know, right? <laughs> um, and, and again, this is not a way of doing things that makes sense. Um, so there are, few, there are two conversations that we're having here concurrently, right? One is about how to improve moral. Um, and I think we can all agree that this whole point, this whole focus of memorization and writing it out and regurgitating is not the way. But the other conversation we're having, uh, and one that I, I'm personally quite interested in, is in the, the question of what are the building blocks of your own morality? What has made you a moral person? You know, um, was it school? <laughs> Unlikely. Uh, not school. Was it Panditikan moral specifically? Was it your some element of your upbringing, what might it be? So if we look at the messages, um, we've got this from Chuyi who says, my religious faith and weekly attendance at church shaped my moral values. It's more realistic and consistent to me. And I'm sure that's the case for many people, right? That um, something like your religious uh, community or your um, your faith community can often shape what you think of as morals, particularly because, um, especially if you attend classes, if you regularly go to church, um, I think that's probably for many people the bulk of where it comes from. Yes. And then do you need, do you need the classroom to reinforce it in this way. It should be reinforced at school. So I, mm. I, I think that school being a centre for moral development is not in and of itself a bad thing. The classroom in this specific syllabus is where the problem is. And I think also, um, going back to something our guest said earlier, um, religious values might differ, but there are certainly common values that can also be inculcated in schools. And I go back to, I think the best way to do that is through action and through discussion, not so much through memorization or rote learning. We do have a voice note that's just come in. This is from Amir. 
for me morality helps you decide something that gives a greater goods for a lot of people a majority of people will receive a, a beneficial from the decisions even though that decision is against your own principle or your own morality that's an interesting one because um in a way it is talking about greater good versus personal uh, agenda personal yeah. will um but i think that's a tough one um so again i think these are exactly the kind of debates i wished i'd had in school and yes and this is a good example also of perhaps something that is an easier conversation to have in school than at at home where you would have had these principles and morality instilled in you in the first place mm. that then go on to be challenged by the wider world because that's part and parcel of living and I'm not going to pull the Malaysia card I don't think it's just about us I think it's part and parcel of living as a global citizen that you're going to emerge into the world and rub up against all sorts of people that you don't agree with that you just fundamentally don't um, understand necessarily or uh, disagree with and it should be a practice, right, to still be able to accept or think about or uh, have empathy for people. But that's going to come externally, not necessarily. It's not always the easiest thing to be taught at home. We have, um, well, an anonymous listener who says, I was born and raised a Buddhist, went to a Protestant Christian primary school, had a little culture shock during my five-year secondary school in a public school, um, a different culture shock when I studied in a local private college, had fair exposure to different races in the course of my studies and at the workplace, read the Quran to get to know the religion, and am a practicing Muslim for 32 years now. Does that answer your question on what shaped my morality? It answers my question, uh, my other question, I guess, about how people land um, on a set of ethics or a set of beliefs that they that they want to have. Um, but it doesn't necessarily answer how much religion has shaped your morality. That's an interesting one, right? And also for somebody, particularly with this kind of, um, this sort of path towards religion, um, how much of it... Um, how much of it is acquired on your own? How much of it comes from the community? How much of it comes from the family? Um, and, you know, I think this can differ from people to people. Let's see. We have Anwar making quite an interesting point saying, I learned more on civics and kewarga negaraan through PLKN. I think the national service program has better modules than school. Interesting. Um, and I'm glad, Anwar, that you're bringing up uh, civic and kewarga negaraan because if we were earlier, we were talking about the, the whole idea of building blocks, right? And morality is one thing. That is an expectation that your parents or, or your family setting will impart that upon you. But civic behaviour and and the, the notion of being a citizen, that's not necessary. I don't know about every household. It's definitely not something that was talked about a lot in mine. And that's where you would expect things like this, other elements to come in. Keep your thoughts coming. We are talking about moral development and asking you what shaped your approach to morality and morals. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM eighty nine point nine. Burning for more, BFM eighty nine point nine. The Business Station. It is 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And uh, we're asking you, uh, because our conversation today is about moral development and where that comes from, really, we'd like to know what shaped your view of morality. 
you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, let's start things off with a voice note. This is Brian. On shaping morality um, for myself, I'm 28 this year. Uh, that means I, as a kid in the 90s, I grew up a lot on TV, on Astro uh, specifically. And at that time, there were three main channels that I watched, right? Cartoon Network, Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. The funny thing is, I feel that I've learned a lot, um, not just civic and morality, but even how to learn from these TV, TV shows, right? These TV shows actually showed me um, the possibilities, right, of, of what can happen in advancement of technology and even how we can deal with parents. I mean, this is all shown in TV shows. Um, and yes, we were forced to take moral classes, but in the end of the day, what do we do? We just memorize memorize the uh, the values, which I think is against what <laughs> uh, it was intended to do. So I, I honestly learned a lot from, at that time, uh, my way of consuming media, which was through Astro, and through the channels that I watched and through the TV series. And yeah. Thank you for that, Brian. Um, you know, I must say I find that very relatable because I was thinking about this. Um, family, yes, but I think with family, it's very... I can't sort of latch on to one thing that they taught me about morality. Uh, but certainly a lot of my view on what's right and wrong came from books and movies and TV shows. Yeah, I missed out books earlier. So books for me are, are huge. They are my first love. And I was a very young and voracious reader. So uh, in terms of how, even in, for example, how you would define a character as good or bad, mm. you would learn that from books and then kind of take that on into take that on into your life. And I'm sure that the same is true for for movies and for shows. Brian, I think um, it's Cartoon Network, Disney, and am I right, Nickelodeon? Because that that's probably the age range. I think that was the trifecta of. Um, kid stuff on Astro at the time. On that pop culture vein, Tahir is back to say, Preacher by Garth Ennis left a huge impact on me. Thank you, Tahir, for I knew bringing like up that Preacher uh, because it is one of my absolute favourite graphic novels. And you are right, uh, it did leave a huge impact on me as well. And it's a great example, I think, of how you can get really interesting philosophical discussions going while also being deeply entertained, because Preacher is deeply entertaining. Sarah, meanwhile, says, Growing up in Malaysia, I was surrounded by family and school friends where my daily life was policed by morals based on religious teachings. But pre-U and university, I met a completely different cohort of people and there came a completely different perspective on the morals I grew up with. I took some time. Uh, it took some time for me to marry the morals I learned and shaped to the kind of person I am now. Ultimately, I believe kindness is the ultimate, ultimate of all moral values. And I'll leave it at that for now or else we'll be opening another can of worms. Sarah, thanks so much for sharing. I agree with you. I think that kindness is a really kindness is a really important important value that shapes uh, that shapes the way we approach things in a number of ways. I'm now actually frightening myself um, by thinking of it through a pandidikan moral then, sadly, because you know how it works, right? You've got the sort of umbrella yes. umbrella topics and then underneath that, there are all the different values. So in Malaysia textbook speak, 
kindness should be one of the umbrella values. This is where I'm so I'm so unhappy to have found myself here. But Sarah, I believe I I, I agree with you entirely. Oh, so do I. I think um, actually, be kind can be surprisingly simplistic, but also uh, if you act based on that as your underlying principle, it can go a really long way. Um, Rish, just making a point, saying, I can tell for sure that moral studies didn't do much for me in terms of the continuity of my education or how I carry myself. I learned my morals by looking up to my role models and just being a good person. Lah. <laughs> um, I, would that it were so simple. Um, although I think for many people it is, especially if you have a, um, if you have a, a solid backing. And and that solid backing can come in any number of ways, right? Mizi is making a, a wider point about where it can come from, saying it's really everything everywhere all at once that moulded the values I now hold to. <laughs> Moral values and ethics should be installed, practised and lived by right from cradle to grave. It shouldn't be restricted to the parents or schoolroom. Uh, participation and upholding these values should come from everyone all the time and especially leading by example. That's a nice one. Um, Leading by example is actually something that is that comes up a lot. And uh, to go right back to the start of our show, uh, where in Parliament they said we teach morals, but not most of our leaders don't necessarily embody it. Surprisingly difficult to put into practice. Um, we also have... Um we also have Patrick who says, amazingly, I learned about family values, uh, political stances and morality about our world through family ties as a kid. I realised that when I became an adult. Family ties brings back such memories. Um, and, and I think actually what I like about that shout, firstly, huge Michael J. Fox fan. Uh, but secondly, I think the fact that in family ties, you actually got to see a family work through different values and different ideas of morals um, within the structure of a sitcom. Yes, uh, which again, it's, a, it's about relatability, right? It's about relatability more than anything else. We do have a voice note that's just come in. This is um, Razo. The only um, moral guidelines that is um, uh, acceptable, I think, is from religion, regardless of um, whether it's from Islam or Christian or Buddha or Hindu. Um, other than that, like a TV or things like that, are for me are ridiculous. Um, who are they to tell us whether it's correct or wrong? Um, I think religion is the only way to go when it comes to morality as a guideline for humankind. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I think that I think that's an interesting and a tough one because people can learn lessons from any experience, right? And ultimately, one's morality or moral compass is not just any one thing. Your main thing can be from religion, but you will pick up lessons from wherever you're exposed to them. Uh, I also think this is uh, curious partly because if I think about it, a lot of, even for people who grow up without religion and who continue to live without religion, and they exist even in our country, where it, it often feels like that's a difficult thing to talk about. Um, I think that a lot of the general good practices or what we consider good have their roots in religious values that then got disseminated over time and may now not be tied back to said religion. Um, so if we if we look away from things that um, focus primarily on pray, prayer um, or worship, right? A lot of things like doing, performing kindnesses, 
Um, these have their roots in religious practices or they are often talked about in religious practices, but they can also be irreligious. So I think... Um, I think the question here about what we mean when we say rooted in religion versus where and how you encounter it, that's an interesting conversation to have. Um, also worth saying, many religions use pop culture and media to disseminate their values as well. So Yes, th those, that's a huge market. So there's a, there's a very grey area there, right? Um, anyway, keep your thoughts coming. What shaped your view of morality? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. After this, we'll be closing off our conversation by looking at uh, the importance of civics education. And for that, we'll be joined by Associate Professor Dr. Visalachi Balakrishnan, who is a service learning coordinator at the Faculty of Education in UM. So keep it here, BFM 89.9. Beyond Frivolous Mishmash, BFM 89.9. It is 7.17. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are closing off our conversation on moral development uh, in schools and then in life uh, by talking about the value of civics education. Um, and uh, for that, we are now joined by Associate Professor Dr. Visalachi Balakrishnan, Service Learning Coordinator at the Faculty of Education at University Malaya. Visa, good to have you with us. Yeah, good evening and uh, nice to be here again. Yeah. <laughs> So before we get into what an ideal civic education would look like, what are your thoughts on how moral development is currently being taught? What are the gaps or shortcomings? Okay, uh, moral development has been in Malaysia since 1982. And um, we have always been focusing on three domains, which are the reasoning, the emotion and the action. So these three domains are supposed to be taught, are supposed to be assessed and developed from the time the students come to Standard 1 up to Form 5. Um, the shortcomings, knowledge is taught, emotion is not developed, action is not assessed. So those are the shortcomings that I see all this while. So to put it bluntly then, do you think that civics is an important educational component in our school syllabus? Is it necessary? It's definitely necessary because moral education is only learned by non-Muslim students and Muslim students study Islamic studies. So civic and citizenship is the, the subject that bridges all students in a school, in a classroom, in a group. So it is definitely the, the, uh, if you, the curriculum division will say it's the raw, it's the soul of the entire education system which brings students together. So what then are some key topics that need to be taught and discussed critically when we talk about a civics education? Um, it's not as simple as just telling uh, this topic and that topic. Um, I used to be uh, doing the syllabus and writing textbooks and preparing the modules. So we actually start from the self and then it goes to the family, the uh, friends, the neighborhood, the community, local community goes to the nation, the international, and finally the global. So it actually goes in a spiral kind of a pedagogy kind of thing. And it's important that this thing is done rather than going straight to the international and they don't know what's happening within themselves. Yeah. Speaking of pedagogy, could you share an example of how a topic could be approached in a way that is relevant and impactful? 
Well, um, all this while, when we talk about civics and citizenship, it's always talking about active learning. You know, now with uh, AI and ICT, there's lots of ways where students can actually get knowledge. But we are talking about how students are involved within uh, a certain topic. We also talk about, um, for me personally, uh, multicultural education should be put into the civics education because students will need to know uh, what's the difference between me and my friend who's sitting beside or me and my friend who's in the another state. So basically, we're talking about active learning, uh, multicultural education, social service. That's why I'm coordinating service learning because service learning, basically, we started in school as moral projects, uh, civics projects. But it never seemed to take up because uh, the importance given. And I, I think uh, a lot of us know what has happened over the years. Uh, we're also talking about futuristic pedagogy. What's going to happen in the future? How can we prepare ourselves as students, as teachers, as a nation? We're also talking about problem-solving strategies and um, critical thinking, creative thinking, innovation. So all these are in IT, but it has to come also in civics and moral education. Yeah. So you outlined earlier how um, our moral, moral development in school hasn't really um, had the impact that it should. Um, and similarly, civics education also has had very mixed results when it was implemented in school. How do we avoid running into the same challenges again and again? Okay, the first thing, because I just had a discussion today with people who actually started these papers and they're all in their 80s and 90s. The first thing, we have to remember that it takes a village. It's not just the teachers or the students, the policy or the curriculum or the textbook. So first thing we've got to make sure is what actually we want in these two subjects. What are we expecting? So which means the philosophy of moral, philosophy of civics should come into play. Once that is clear, then we should see who is actually training the future teachers. Because teachers are like prime ministers in a classroom. They get to do anything and everything they want. And just because they are giving their reports, they are, you know, they are... Uh, what do you call that, um, their lesson plans, that doesn't mean that that's what they are teaching in class. They need that experiential uh, training to be trained and to actually expedite whatever I've mentioned just now. So actually it takes the entire group and it has to be assessed. You know, we are always talking about assessment, outcome. At every stage, we got to be careful to make sure that we don't repeat the same thing again and again because finally when it comes, it's always exam grades. These subjects are not important. So why do we waste time? But we can realize like even, I mean, for me personally, moral has been here for 40 years and I do see changes in students when it comes to helping others, when it comes to be critical, but it has to go on beyond that because as I said, civic is the subject that is bridging all the students in a classroom in the community. So with that, though, civic education does have a reputation for being a throwaway subject. Um, people think it doesn't hold equal importance to maths, science, languages. Some even go so far as to say that it's pointless. So um, combining, I guess, the points that you've already made, how would you like to see it prioritised as an essential component to a child's education? I will actually want to see civics, moral, Islamic studies, all the humanity subjects as the main subject 
especially now with primary schools when they don't have centralized exam, teachers should be fully getting students into these kind of subjects because we can see developed nation. They're talking about philosophy of children and when they talk about philosophy about children, they're talking about looking within them. What is within them? How can they develop this? And I think if we start at, with the right um, syllabus, with the right training, we can actually um, go beyond what we have been doing all this while. It, it is very important that the students are given the opportunity to actually grow. What we are doing now currently is we're putting on so much knowledge into students and making them bring it out in exams. And by the time they are in university, uh, they tend to forget everything that they did in school. And that's not what civics and moral is all about. It's about learning and practicing. We know when they are in primary, we instill values. By the time in secondary, they are actually analyzing their values. And by the time they are adults, they're actually using. So it has to start from primary where they are applying all these values in their daily lives. And I think that is the sad part about our education system. And um, I have hope in service learning because students seem to be so engrossed in doing things for others, doing things for themselves, building their soft skills. And this was actually what we did in schools. So how come it's working in university and it's not in schools? So we got to look back at that. I think we can all collectively agree that grades, memorizing, definitions alone um, are not working. But for something like this, once we implement it, how would you measure the success and effectiveness of the syllabus? Okay, I can, I can, I can go back to my service learning, okay? And actually, the moral education project, which was um, taken off from the moral education syllabus, saying that it was a failure... Uh, we actually assess them formatively. Formatively here means that we don't have exams. And uh, we actually get uh, peer assessment, self-assessment, teacher assess, teacher observes. So there are many formative ways of assessing. And this has become very, very popular in developed nations. And I think we should be doing this more because we seem to be so tied to this thing called exams and grades. You you don't, you know, uh, people will always say getting an A in civics or getting an A in moral does not uh, show in the action. So we actually have uh, multiple ways of doing formative assessment. And this has to be taught to the teachers because if those days it was teaching and then assessing, now is you assess as you teach. So it's a, a new era. And with AI and IT, I think uh, there are more sophisticated ways where we can actually come up with uh, formative assessment. So that is actually looking at the impact. We, we, we cannot say that, oh, they are doing a project. So, you know, it's difficult to assess. There are many ways of assessing. So I, I, I hope that if we train teachers to be formative assessors, we can actually go ahead with um, this subject with, you know, a lot of projects and active learning and things like that. We have just a minute left with you. Currently, a lot of the conversations around values have become quite fraught. There's also an inherent division between what Muslim and non-Muslim students are taught in terms of subject. How can civics be taught in a way that actually unifies students? Yes, uh, for me, it's multicultural service learning and bringing students together. 
because uh, what they're doing in their own moral and Islamic studies classes can actually be put into practice through this um, service learning. And if you look at uh, Canada or US, they've started service learning even right from preschool. So uh, I think it's not difficult for us. And we can actually champion the active learning part because we have a very rich culture and it's not going to be uh, difficult, but we need people to support and we need passionate people who say, yes, we can do this. Uh, we don't have to have exams and we can see the results short term, long term and uh, throughout the transformation of the syllabus. Yeah, that, that's my hope, actually. Risa, thanks for speaking with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone. That was Associate Professor Dr. Visalachi Balakrishnan, Service Learning Coordinator from the Faculty of Education in UM. Uh, keep your thoughts coming, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.